Hey there, everyone. I'm Abby. And I'm Alyssa, and we are the co-founders of Down With. We are so excited to be here today with you all. We are going to dive right in and tell you a little bit about our company, Down With, and what we're all about. Yes. Collaborating with Sarah and Step Back and Receive is going to be awesome. So we created Down With because, well, quite frankly, we were pissed off. We kept encountering brands that claimed inclusivity, access, and diversity, but in reality, they were exclusive and entitled communities. So therefore, as a solution, Downwith commits to creating a space that hosts not only equality and inclusivity, but also empowering the community by breaking the barriers of not having enough access to achieve the goals we desire. As co-founders, we are all on the same page and both are completely self-made with a passion to create equal access for all. But Alyssa, specifically, is a self-made, self-funded woman of color and a project manager by day and a strategic go-getter of the community. And Abby is a talented hairstylist by day and an effective engager of the community. Together, we want to rewrite the rules alongside our united front. Downwith's key pillars are inclusion, equity, access, information, and connection. Yes, we are working to create an open space where access is open to all who seek it. The rules are waiting to be rewritten and together as a community, we will work together to pave the way. So let's break the barriers in class and status for a more equitable and accessible world. We are so excited to be on this journey with our team of reformers. Check us out and join in on this journey by following us at down underscore underscore with on Instagram, as well as our website down hyphen with.com for our upcoming events and collaborations. Hi, everybody. This is Sarah, your podcaster from Down With. Um, today, I have a very special guest with us, one of our first, Nikki Zuniga, who is the philanthropist at Down With. Hi, tell everybody something about you, Nikki. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me on today. Um, so as Sarah mentioned, I am with the Down With team. Um, I coordinate our philanthropy efforts as well as work on our blog. So those are my major responsibilities with Down With, um, which works out pretty perfectly because those play to probably my greatest interest, writing and being in my community. So that's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's what? just something that works out for me. And when did you join Down With? Um, gee, I think it's it's been almost a year. Um, because, oh, wow. Yeah, it's been almost a year. I know Down With is almost a year old, and I joined shortly after, almost from the get-go, so just short of a year. Wow, that's that's a long time, and that's that's really great that you've been involved in something that's in your community, outside of your regular responsibilities. Do you want to tell the users a little bit about, like, you know, what you do outside of Downwith, maybe? Oh, yeah, certainly. So um, outside of Downwith, I do have um, a nine to five job. I work at one of the hospitals in Chicago um, in property management. So it's kind of in glamorous, I guess you can say. It's not what it sounds <laughs> like. It's a lot of, um, the easiest way to explain it is kind of acting like as a landlord for various spaces in the hospital. So it could be anything from like coordinating work that might need to happen in the hospital to like making sure that toilets are like unclogged. Like it can be very unplanned. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
So it's kind of hard to say, especially now um, with, you know, COVID having occurred, my responsibilities look really different than what they might have looked like, say, this time last year. So um, that title is really like all encompassing all-encompassing of a lot of different kinds of responsibilities but um yeah that's what I guess you could call my day job is um yeah that's crazy it's like you're running the hospital like you're the woman in charge of the hospital yeah so there's a team of us um that are it's a small team it's like a team of about like five of us um of course like Mm -hmm. we team up with other teams as well but there's about a team of five of us that work um, to do these things. So it can get really busy um, <laughs> during, you know, like during the day at any time, really, because the hospital is always running as anybody knows. So it um, it can definitely be a challenge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, that's, that's a lot. And those of you who don't know, Nikki actually has like the cutest daughter on this planet. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> She looks just like you, and every time you post a picture of her, I literally, my heart just melts. I'm like, oh my god, she's so little. I just want to eat her up. She is. She's like a mini-me. She's three now, so that's been fun, too, and and challenging, you know, during this time of staying at home, and um, so a lot of changes, but that's a really fun part of my life, too, is getting to be a mom. That's great. I'm so happy to hear that. So today, uh, Nikki, the reason why I have Nikki on is because we actually wanted to talk a little bit about sustainability. Um, Sustainability is a very important part of her life. Um, She's heavily involved in the community, as she mentioned before. Um, So I just kind of wanted to get her on here to talk a little bit about like ways to get involved, what she thinks the future of sustainability in Chicago looks like, and just small steps you can make today to like impact your community. So I had a list of questions I kind of wanted to ask Nikki. And again, Nikki, thank you so much for jumping on here and sharing this part of your passion and your story with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so first I just wanted to um, like ask you, like, what do you think the future of sustainability in Chicago looks like today or looks like in the future? And how does it look like today? Um, so first off, for anybody who doesn't really know, like what sustainability entails, I wanted to clarify the definition of that. So this idea of sustainability mm-hmm. is meeting the needs of the present um, without compromising the needs of the future. So a lot of that looks like green initiatives, um, like recycling, um, creating less waste, things like that. So when we say sustainability, that's really what we're talking about is like creating this way to meet those needs without being detrimental to people to come after us and the planet as it goes on beyond us. Um, Mm -hmm. But yes, sustainability in Chicago, or just in general, it's hard to say what it will look like in the future. In the past, I want to say probably in the past 10 years, um, there have been a lot more efforts to be conscious about this idea of sustainability and to um, be more green in our use, not only in our personal lives, but um, like within corporations and business. It's kind of... um, how do I want to say this? I mean, it's kind of like cool now, right? Like it's, it's something that like 
is like popular and cool to do. So it's kind of more at the forefront that it, it used to be. However, um, in order for there to be major change in the way that we harm this planet and the environment when we are doing things like creating and running businesses, it will take change from like the the nation's biggest corporations. I mean, um, the largest corporations are responsible for the greatest carbon emissions and running their businesses. Mm -hmm. So in order for there to be like a, a huge change, we would need to see those businesses make a, a major effort to change the way they run um, to reflect, you know, to, to demonstrate the sustainability. However, I think we are on the right path because just in the past, you know, like 10 years, as I said, there's been major leaps and bounds in the way that society addresses this. So Chicago itself is what can be considered a green sustainable city. Um, within the last 10 years, as I've mentioned, the government has really put it on their agenda. I think it was in 2012 that the mayor of Chicago at that time really put out a sustainability agenda to help Chicago like move in the direction of going green. And nowadays we mm -hmm. have a lot of smaller businesses like um, like startup tech companies, for example, that are really looking for ways to demonstrate that. Um, and we have a great, we have a great initiative in Chicago for green buildings, even the larger corporations, as I mentioned, like the hospital that I work at, we are finding ways to cut down on waste and create less waste through like various recycling programs, whether it's paper and cardboard or finding ways to recycle other materials that places like hospitals use a lot of. Um, so mm -hmm. we've made, you know, great progress in that sense, um, just in Chicago here. Also, of course, we have like public transit. So that's a way to create less or to cut down on like the emissions of of driving, you know, like pollution because of people driving. We do have we do have the opportunity of public transit that helps that. And we also have Divi bikes and now those scooters, if you've seen them around, are available. So yeah. being a commuter city, that helps with um, air pollution as well. So that's yeah, that's awesome. And like, how do you feel about um, like, I've known a lot of corporations are also now looking at like different like options like solar, um, you know, where they're having like solar panels like installed on the roofs of their buildings. Um, and then like a lot of different um, corporations that do um, acquire like fleet like cars and trucks and trailers and things like that they're also going more in the green direction right. so how do you feel about like um, like electric cars so electric cars from what I so to to be upfront, I haven't had personal experience with them like I myself have never ridden in an electric car um, so I don't have like a personal mm -hmm. experience of it but from what I know um, I don't think they're 
all too common right now. At least I don't see them. Like when I'm out in Chicago, I don't see a lot of them. Though I will say that in public parking spaces that I've seen, they seem to always, the majority of them seem to always have a space for those electric cars. So maybe it's just that I'm not Mm -hmm. seeing it as much, you know, like the places I'm going aren't catching it at that time. But it seems like there's a demand for those spaces because they are available. Um, But yeah, to be honest, Sarah, I haven't had a lot of, like personal experience with them yeah I think it's just maybe like a new um thing like it's good to see like this is where the future is going and like where um humans are you know like different options they're looking into because I think everybody's come to a conclusion like oh shit we really do have to do something to save our planet and our community um yeah I just I don't know if you were watching the VP debate Mm -hmm. last night, but, um, you know, there was, I I forgot what the question was asked, but Mike Pence, he he answered and said something like, oh, don't vote for Biden and Harris because they want to spend a lot of money on a lot of taxpayer money on um, removing fossil fuels and fracking and like, I understand that it's going to take a lot of money, but he was thinking about it from like a short-term solution. And I, I couldn't believe like, that's like what he was like envisioning for the future of America and the world, you know, especially given that we hear so many things about like global warming and climate change and that the world's not going to end. And, you know, you see the Trump administration wants to continue with things like coal mining right Um, like do we live in a cave you know science to that point science backs that that if we as a society and you know a nation don't change something it's going to be very detrimental for those to come after us and we will get to a point where we can no longer like sustain you know human life as we know it So that's really like what this concern is, is that we're at a point, we're at a point here, we're at like a turning point where if we don't make changes, we're going to get to a place where we can no longer turn around. So I think that's what, you know, that being said, I think that's what the focus is right now is like, first of all, recognizing that we are at this point and then finding a way to you know, turn it around before we're over that hill and can't go back. Yeah, I definitely agree, 100% agree with everything that you're saying. And it's so nice to see somebody like you who's just so involved, because you're right, this is like, this is all up to us. Like, we're living now, but we have to start thinking about the generations to come. It's not just like, you know, we're on this planet right now, we're enjoying our day and time and going out and, you know, like you have a daughter, you have to probably think about her future, her kids, you know, and your grandkids or your great grandkids, like, are they able, are they going to be able to live on this planet and, you know, enjoy life? I don't think so. If we don't, you know, get to the bottom of this and really truly make a change in our community. So it's, it's great that you're involved in such Thanks. a great cause. And like <laughs> I mentioned, it, you know, it is the greater responsibility of, of 
becoming, you know, making these changes belongs to these larger corporations like Amazon. It's like Amazon's carbon footprint, um, which for, for listeners who don't know what that means, it's basically um, your footprint basically describes like the ways that you are like creating pollution, if, if that makes sense. So Amazon's mm-hmm. carbon pr- footprint is like absolutely horrendous. And it's Amazon's an everyday, you know, that's like a household name. Everybody uses Amazon. So it really, the responsibility does belong to these larger corporations. However, um, you know, it's my belief that if we wait for those people to give a shit, it's not going to go anywhere. So it starts in our homes. It starts in our communities because when we show them that it's something that we care about, that's what we can do instead of sit, sit back and just be like, well, you know, hopefully they do something different. So, you know, our kids are fine. You know, if we show them the, you know, consumerism is all, all, all based on what we want, right? Like what is created is based on what we want. So if enough people show corporations like that, that we give a shit, maybe they'll start to, to create product that, place to the things that we're interested in if that makes sense so while I realize that it shouldn't be like the everyday person's responsibility to turn this ship around it's one of the only ways that like I can think Mm -hmm. of that we can make that difference because people do make a difference right if enough people like that's that's how anything Mm -hmm. starts that's how you know any any major change any revolution that's how anything starts is that people decide you know the people at the bottom decide like this is enough and they band together and, you know, they they grow and they eventually, you know, like show that, you know, sh- demonstrate that that's the change that needs to happen. And until there's until there's a response. Yeah. So that's really what I think these initiatives at these like lower levels, like in home community, I really think that that's what it stems from. It's that like every little bit helps, you know. Right. And it's so great to hear you say that because I truly believe like you have to be the change like you wish to see in this world. And I agree 100 percent. Like we have to start small. Sometimes, you know, everyone's out there and they're trying to tackle the bigger issue. And before we can even like find a solution, we kind of just put it to rest because we get Mm -hmm. so overwhelmed. So (laughs) what are like the small steps you suggest, you know, like besides So like, I'm sure a lot of our users nowadays, we cycle, right? Like, um, we have two trash cans, one is obviously for regular trash, one is for recycling, like, what are other ways you um, can, you, you can find or you can do things you can do to really just make a change in your So I think the first thing that we have to recognize is that it needs to come from creating less waste and how we, um, what we bring into our homes, because like you mentioned recycling, like everybody recycles, but I think something that not everybody is aware of is that so much of what we recycle and donate still ends up in landfills. It's actually a very small percentage of what we recycle that can actually be recycled. Um, Part of that is because people don't know how to do it properly. So if you, a lot of these like Mm -hmm. recycling programs, um, for example, I live in a condo complex and we have recycling. So there's a big dumpster and everybody puts the recycling in there. And at 
uh, you know, once a week, it gets hauled away by the company. Well, if somebody puts something in that recycling that cannot be recycled and compromises that dumpster, if enough of the items there are compromised, the whole thing is pitched. So if you do it wrong, it actually doesn't help at all. So that's, yeah, so that's like a major thing. Um, And, and that goes for like programs, like public programs too. Um, You know, I am on, I'm working um, in our hospital. I'm, I'm amongst the team that is working to like start up this recycling program. And that's one of the things that we discuss heavily is that if someone, you know, we have these recycling receptacles all over and if someone's to dump like a smoothie inside of that container, that, that contaminates the entire container. But if we dump that container in like the larger, you know, in the larger dumpster, now that dumpster is contaminated. Mm -hmm. And also um, that doesn't just go for obvious things like food waste or garbage going in recycling, but also there's, there are very specific um, materials that you can recycle. Like you, you, for something to for something to be just plastic doesn't make it recyclable right um there's only certain kinds of plastics mm-hmm. that can be recycled if you look on the bottom of your plastic there's usually a number on there um and it'll tell you if that plastic can be recycled or not and also um it needs to be dry so water bottles like finishing off your your water bottle and then tossing it in the recycling with the lid on it if it's wet in there it's still not recyclable it needs to be dried and same with like if you use like for example like a pizza box it's got food grease in it that's not recyclable so a pizza box actually cannot be recycled so there's yeah there's a lot of rules oh about gosh. recycling that like you know our users the thing is i think people mean well <laughs> they well, but that's not something that is, yeah. you know, common knowledge. And so a lot of us are doing it the wrong way. And so it's really not, it's not doing what we think it is. So I just wanted to be clear on that because I think a lot of people feel good about recycling, which is great. I'm really happy that it's this big initiative now, but it's not necessarily, you know, it's, it's, we can I think a lot of people think about it as out of sight, out of mind, like you, you recycle in your home and it gets hauled away and you're like, yeah, I've done my good thing for the environment. But if you're not doing it right in your home, you're actually not, it's not being recycled. It's still getting to a landfill. And that's the same thing with items that are donated to like, for example, thrift shops, like Salvation Army and um, mm-hmm. Goodwill, which are like the two major ones, right? The major chains. Salvation Army, um, they don't just take your donations and then put it back on the shelf, right? They take it, they have to sort through it, they see like what is usable and what isn't like too dirty or what, you know, things like that. And um, some of it, some of the items, like if they're not, if they're deemed like not able to go onto like our shelves in the United States, then it's shipped to like other countries like Africa. Um, But those end up in landfills too so out of sight out of mind doesn't necessarily mean like that you're contributing to this you know idea of sustainability it doesn't mean you're not part of the problem too so that's like (laughs) that's something that I think that education (laughs) there really needs to be done um, because I just think that people aren't aware that it's not you know that that's the case that this is the case that a small number of what is a small percentage of what is being donated and recycled or I should say the majority of what is being 
you know, donated and recycled is going into the landfill still. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And now that I think about it, I feel like I have contributed (laughs) to the problem, right? Like how many times have I've left my pizza box there with the pizza grease or like you mentioned that water bottle with the lid that's not completely dry. And how many times, you know, we've donated like to the Salvation Army and there's like a hole, you know, in our shirt or there's like really dirty socks that we've washed a couple of times that we think are okay, right? Like it's, I think you're absolutely, absolutely right. Like people think about recycling as like, like a trend, like they've just, you know, seen other people do it. Like we know plastic and cardboard, we automatically go for the recycling bin but we don't realize there's a lot of rules around it so like how what do you suggest or what resources can our users or other people look at um to make sure we are recycling so um one thing that i am really passionate about is the um idea of composting so a lot of things that end up in in landfills are actually the biodegradable food wastes. So that's something that can be composted. And for anyone that doesn't know what composting is, um, it's collecting the, the, the items that are identified as compostable, which is mainly food waste, but it also includes those pizza boxes that we've discussed or cardboard and paper in general. It includes, um, like small amounts of oil from cooking. Um, it also includes like the cork from your wine bottle There's a, or the chopsticks from your Chinese takeout. Like there's quite a few other items that actually go into this, but it's the idea of taking that and putting it back into the soil um, to create nutrient rich soil. So that's a way that we can not only keep these things out of landfills, but also, you know, bring it back to something useful because the soil can be used either for farming or um, for commercial, you know, commercial purposes too, like construction and stuff like that. We, you know, construction projects actually, actually utilize like large mounds of like soil and things like that. So it can be used for that. It can be used for that too, um, Mm -hmm. for those commercial purposes. So um, in Chicago, there's actually quite a few companies nowadays that offer um, composting because a lot of Chicago um, rents or lives in like apartment or condo style housing, right? So um, there's a lot of companies now that will offer pickup services for your compost waste, which is something that I do. Um, there's there's three that I know of off the top of my head, but I actually walked outside the other day and saw my neighbor with a bucket that had a different company's name. So I'm sure there's plenty of others out there too. But in my own search, like earlier this year, I had found Healthy Soil Compost, The Urban Canopy, and Collective Resource which are all companies that will provide you a bucket and you can collect your food waste. And, you know, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, you can set up the time appropriate for your family, depending on how much waste you are creating. They'll haul away that bucket and then they'll bring it to like their farm or their location where they then actually compost those wastes, which involves the process involves like water and turning the waste and, um, allowing it to like break down so there's a process that goes with it but these companies have actually made it easier for us because I mean in apartment style living it's kind of hard to do because you don't have like a yard or like an appropriate area to do that so 
that is an option here in Chicago. I personally utilize the Urban Canopy and I love it. They're really awesome. Um, and I've been using them since January. So, and they also have farmer's markets um, because they do have a farm and they have farmer's markets because they, they composting is just part of what their company does. They also grow things. Um, so yeah, but that's something that I think um, in terms of finding ways to recycle our waste that's something that a lot of people can do. And you can also, I know Urban Canopy lets you share your bucket with your neighbors if you want to, because there's a lot of people who, I have a family, so we create a lot of waste ourselves. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people that are maybe living <laughs> on their own or one or two people who are working, you know, or like not in the house a lot. So they're not creating like so much waste. You have the opportunity to share that with like a neighbor or two. And then, you know, it's just a way that it's, it's just a way that we can cut down on those wastes. And not only does it prevent it from going to landfills, but it, it gets recycled in the best way because it goes back into the food that feeds us or, you know, buildings and things like that. That, that is so great, Nikki. Like, I feel like I have even learned so much. And um, let me tell you, <laughs> I was not using services like Urban Canopy. Do they cost um, anything to pick up? So or are they, they free do charge. Or... Urban Canopy charges a small fee based on, you know, how often your pickup is. Um, their rates vary. I My pickup is biweekly, and I believe my it's $25 a month to do that I believe don't quote me directly on that but I think I have it on okay. auto I have it on auto pay now and I used <laughs> to do monthly but then I was our whole family was eating too much so we needed a, a more frequent pickup yeah um, but there are other I know that I originally looked into another company that was cheaper but they just didn't come out to my area um they yeah they didn't come as far as my area yeah so um I know yeah. that yeah, we promise this so is I not an ad for Urban Canopy. I always, I always talk about them, and people will ask me that if I, you know, like if I get some sort of like, um, con uh, what am I looking for? Com Compensation—that's the word I'm looking for. If I get compensated in some way to talk about them, I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm just really passionate about about the work they do. But I don't work for them. I'm not connected to them in any way. I'm just a really happy um, user. But so that's funny that you said that. <laughs> but yes, yeah. Oh, no worries. Um, but go I ahead, do know sorry. that to to go on again about Urban Canopy, I do know that they offer. They have various farmers farmers markets, and they um will allow you to drop off your bucket for free if you don't want to do a pickup. You can bring it to the farmers market, and you won't get your bucket back, but you can drop it off there for no cost as well. So I do believe there are other options like that where you can drop them off and have no cost, but the cost, there is a cost for pickup from what I've seen from most of the companies that I've looked into. Okay, this is a really stupid question, but I have to ask, can you also include old clothing in there that you don't want to throw away? Can clothing also be- I think that there are turned some- into soil? Um, Clothing's kind of tricky because it's never just one kind of material, right? Like there's a lot of different things. If you look at a tag of your shirt, mm -hmm. for example, it'll say like, it'll include like cotton 
rayon like it, it will have like a number of things sewn in as well as like dyes that have been used so I do know that there are compost friendly materials like cloth materials but I don't know exactly what that is because of how specific you know clothing can be so um, I would say that that would be something that an individual would have to look more into and I will say it also depends on what your compost is being used for because for example um, commercial compost can accept much more because it's not being recycled into food if that makes sense so um yeah so it really depends on like what kind of compost service you are utilizing I um utilize a service that has a farm so all of the things that I'm putting in my compost bucket are mainly to do with food or are by are like biodegradable and safe for food Got it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure all these companies have like a list of items. Yeah, I actually have a list on my fridge to remind my family like what can go in the bucket and what can't. (laughs) And even things like, um, like paper towels that you use to like clean off their your counter like napkins as long as they don't have like spray in them. Because again, this is for Mm -hmm. food. So as long as it doesn't have like cleaning product, um, you know, um, or like, for example, you're not able to compost like used toilet paper, but you can you but you can put like if you've used napkins for food waste or like to just wipe up a food spill, paper towels, those can all be composted too and they can go straight in your bucket. That's amazing. Wow, Nikki. I'm so glad we had this conversation today. I'm glad. I am learning so much. And you truly inspired me to like go up there like my trash can and my recycling <laughs> bin are being cleaned right now but I literally want to go and double check everything that I have recycled just to make sure I'm not recycling the wrong thing and I thank you again so much for coming on here and sharing so a little bit about your passion for sustainability giving our users a lesson on how what we can really do to make a difference in this community and I think we need more people like you because you guys well, are the ones that. that are going to save yeah, the I world that, you know <laughs> I think that education is really where it should start. I think this kind of information isn't reaching the general public. I mean, I honestly, I've always been interested in the idea of recycling since high school. So it's been many, many years now that I've been interested in this concept, but I would say I really only Mm -hmm. learned how to do it right in the past, maybe like two, three years. And I've only started composting at the start of this year. So it's really all new to me too, but just, I just recommend like doing your research, reading up on it, Um, and you know, I think just like there's, there's information that we need to get out on these, you know, on these practices, because I think, I think the effort is there in our communities. Um, the effort's there. And I think people generally want to do this. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's just, we, we don't even know that we're not doing it right. Like we we actually think that we're doing, I was one of those people for the longest time. I really thought that what I was doing was, you know, when I, when I helped to start the recycling program at our high school, like I really thought that like that was like saving trees, right? Like that directly. (laughs) I thought that like, it was really, you know, (laughs) making a difference. Little did I realize that if it was, you know, if what was in that container wasn't to, you know, wasn't recyclable. It, that may have made it to a landfill as well. I totally wasn't aware of that. So I think that's just, you know, 
information that we need to work on getting out there. And just, I just encourage everybody to do your own research um, and read up because information is always changing too. Yeah. And that's awesome. And I, I can just think about, you know, all this that you're teaching your daughter and how she's going to grow up to learn like the differences between like what's recyclable and what's not. <laughs> I think that is so cute. And um, I totally agree with you. Like we need to do our part in research and educate ourselves. Obviously the world is changing. We actively like need to be involved if we want to see that change right. come through and we got to start somewhere, you know, we, we can't just like hate ourselves like me. Now I'm thinking about all the things that I've <laughs> like that have probably right. like ended up in the landfill, right? Like if with anything new, we got to start somewhere. So thank you so much for hopping on and sharing your story and giving us so much insight into the world of sustainability. Um, can our users uh, follow you on Instagram? Do you want to share yeah, what sure. your Instagram, so I only um, have Instagram username is? I don't is. have any other forms of social media, but you can follow me at N, what is it? It's N, N K. <laughs> so how often do you type in your own, right? <laughs> okay. So it's N K I N E Z R O. So you can check me out on Instagram there and follow me. That's awesome. And I'll, I'll be sure to add it on um, our awesome. little Thanks, information Sarah. about the podcast episode so people can reach out to you. Um, again, thank you so much, Nikki. I had a wonderful time chatting with you. And um, if you guys have any questions about sustainability or need more information about compost companies, be sure Absolutely. to reach out to Nikki. Thanks, Sarah. Zuninga. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Hi, everyone. This is your podcast host, Sarah. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Down With podcast. If you like what we talked about today, give us a shout or make sure to subscribe for future episodes. If you like more information on Down With and upcoming events, make sure to follow and connect with us on Instagram at down underscore underscore with or check us out on our website at down with.com. The Donwood team really appreciates your love and support. Thanks again for tuning in and have a great day. Thank you. Bye.